were listening to a sermon from Sojourn Church in Fairfax, Virginia. We hope that this is an encouragement to you no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. If you're not already, we would encourage you to connect to your local church. If you'd like to find out more about Sojourn in particular, please visit our website at sojournfairfax.com. May God bless you now as you listen to the preaching of his word. Today's scripture is Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If you do not have a Bible, if you can raise your hand, one will be given to you. If you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. Alrighty, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Sojourn. Happy New Year to you. Uh, my name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn. It's good to gather with you this first Sunday of 2020, uh, which is also, if you're wondering why our Advent candles are still up on the stage, is Epiphany Sunday. And so if you still have your Christmas decorations up at home, you are totally fine. Uh, because today is officially kind of the end of the Christmas season. So we're excited to begin the year, end our Christmas season, and start off this year together. I hope, as Eric said, these first five days of the year have been good for you so far. And, and as he mentioned, you know, at the start of any new year, uh, we tend to be surrounded by a call to make resolutions or plans for the new year, things that we want to achieve or at least attempt to achieve in the next 365 days. Well, this year, 366 days, because it's leap year, so you get one extra to make things work for you. You know, gym memberships spike during this time of the year. Lots of diet plans are downloaded and begun at this time of the year. Maybe you've started a new Bible reading plan, or you're thinking about time management goals and how you'd like to achieve those things this year. You know, it's interesting, though, when the calendar changes from December 31st to January 1st, we kind of have this idea at some level that we are looking to start or continue new rhythms and routines in our lives at some level within our own lives. And none of those things in and of themselves are bad. It's good to exercise. It's good to eat well. It's obviously good to spend time in God's Word. It's good to think about goals and things that you want to aspire to and achieve during any given year. But, but sometimes we can start to believe a, a common promise that's made to us when we think about the start of a new year, when we think about making these kinds of resolutions and things that are going on or we hope to see happen in our life. And here's what that promise is made to you, that if you just start this new thing in this new year, then you can become a new you. If you just begin this new thing, whatever it happens to be for you, during this new year, you can become a new you. And when you're struggling with who you are, or you have aspirations for who you want to be. I mean, who doesn't want to have a revised version of themselves? Well, 2020 has begun, and there are quite a few things that I'm looking forward to in the life of our church as we begin this calendar year together. These next few months have the potential, if we are prayerful as a church, if we are spirit-dependent people, if we are looking for the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us and fill us in all that we do, I believe have the ability, the potential to significantly shape the culture of our church for years to come, to enable us to live out the calling that God has given to us to be disciples who make disciples to live out our confident hopes together as a church. But today, this first Sunday of the year, before we kind of charge into some of those things, I want to spend time focused on talking about the new you. Because here's the reality. If you have a relationship with Jesus, 
If your faith and all of your hope and all of your trust has been placed in Christ, then the reality for you is that you, there already is a new you. It's already been made possible apart from any personal resolution or goal that you set for yourself this year. And if you don't call yourself a follower of Jesus, I'm grateful that God's brought you to be here. I'm not exactly sure what he's doing in your life, but he is doing something in your life. And God brought you in his providence to sit here this morning, to be here this morning. And this is for you too, not because it's already true for you, because it's possible for it to be true for you. And that's my hope for you this year. So no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey this morning, let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we sit under the preaching of his word for the first time this year. Would you pray with me? God, we give you thanks this morning that you've given us the ability to be here today and that we get to gather together as a church family to sing songs of praise. God, we give you thanks that we get to now sit under the preaching of your word. And so I pray, God, that you would help us this morning in this moment to lift our gaze and that we would set it on Jesus. I pray, God, that you use this time in your word, by your spirit, to comfort us where we need to be comforted, to encourage us where we need encouragement, to convict us where we need conviction for our own good and ultimately for your glory. We pray that this year would be marked by exalting Christ. We pray that would begin right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in the book of Colossians, as you've heard read a few times this morning. We ended the year, our last Sunday gathering together, in the book of Colossians, and so we're going to be back in the book of Colossians today in chapter 3. And Colossians is a phenomenal book. It's one of the first books that we preached through as a church together some seven years ago. But chapter 3 in particular, for me, is just a magnificent display of God's grace. It's a magnificent display and and kind of masterpiece of truth that has encouraged me as I seek to follow Jesus in my own life. And I don't have time this morning to get into all that Paul writes about in chapter 3. We're just going to focus on verses 1 through 4. Because within these verses, verses 1 through 4 of chapter 3, Paul gives a vision for your life. The direction for your life that can have an absolutely profound impact if we don't just see them as nice words on a page that Paul wrote thousands of years ago, but actually fuel and food for our own souls as we seek to persevere and move forward in faith in the midst of a messy world. If we actually take what he's saying and seek to actually see it lived out in our life. And here it is for you this morning. The new you, the new you is rooted in your union with Jesus. The new you is rooted in your union with Jesus. So I want to take time to unpack that for us this morning as we walk through these few verses. Paul has just spent time in chapter 2 of Colossians reminding us that when Jesus died on the cross, he canceled the debt that we had, that we owed for our rebellion and sin. And that's what he's done. He set us free from the condemnation that we deserve for our rebellion against God. He took on the penalty that you and I deserve as he was crucified on that cross. He paid it all because it would take us an eternity to pay for it on our own. But the Colossians are tempted. They're tempted to still find their hope and rescue, their promise of redemption and being made right with God and doing things for him and trying to achieve something for God and living a good, polished life. They're tempted to work their way to God. And the reality is for you and I that we can have that same temptation. 
Maybe as you think about this year, what you've been thinking about is how can I be a better Christian? How can I perform better? How can I prove my worth that God made a right decision in rescuing me? But in verse 20, what Paul's declaring, what he's reminding us of and calling us to remember is when Jesus died, you died with him. And if you died with him, you don't have to do anything. You can't do anything to earn your way to God. It's been completed. It's done. It's finished. Redemption accomplished. What Paul's talking about here is your union with Jesus. This idea that you've been united with Christ, that everything that is his is yours. But what Paul wants to do is he begins this chapter in Colossians 3, and what we need to be reminded of is that Jesus isn't still dead. That Jesus rose again from the grave. And so when we identify with Jesus in his death, we also identify with him in his resurrection. It's not just a nice idea. It's essential for you as a follower of Jesus to grasp for your own life if you're going to embrace, if you're going to live out the reality of the new you. And so Paul says, if then you've been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Paul's calling us here to remember this core tenet of the gospel. The core tenet of the gospel that not only that Jesus lived a perfect life, a life that you could not live, not only that he died in your place, taking on the penalty for your sin, but that he rose again from the grave in victory. And when Jesus was raised from the grave, when he defeated sin and death, we were raised with him. Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And I don't know if you know much about uh, metal work. I don't know a whole lot about it. But it's really difficult to take two pieces of metal and use some kind of adhesive or glue to make them stick together. You can do it, but it can be easily torn apart and separated. In order to take two pieces of metal and see them actually stick together, you need to fuse them to one another. You need to heat up those metal pieces so they melt into one another and stay connected to each other. If you've placed your faith in Jesus and who he is and what he's done, it isn't some kind of haphazard connection for you. It isn't something that can be easily torn apart or separated, something that you can mess up and destroy where it's no longer possible. When you are connected to Jesus, when you place your faith in him, you are united to him, you're stuck to him, you're fused together, never to be separated. Everything that is his is yours. And so when God looks at you now, he doesn't see your unrighteousness and rebellion. He sees the righteousness of Christ. You are clothed in Jesus' perfection. See, we have to understand the reality of our situation. The rebel, the one who has rebelled against God, who has sought to go their own way, is rightfully remanded to be removed from the presence of God. The consequences of our sin, the Bible says, is death, that we should be eternally separated from God to pay the penalty for our sin. But when the reality of the gospel comes to bear on your life, that Jesus was crucified for you and rose again from the grave, when that comes to bear on your life, what happens is the rebel is redeemed. He's redeemed by grace to be restored to the presence of God. Anyone who places their faith in Jesus, this is your reality. You are made new. And so Paul says, if this is true for you, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, 
If you've placed your trust in him, your hope in him, not in yourself and what you can achieve, not in the world and the things that it promises to you, but in Jesus, then you are resurrected with him now. You have new life in him now. You are made new now. It's an amazing gift of grace to you that Jesus accomplished all of that for you. But because of that reality, it's because that's true for you, Paul calls you to an action that goes along with it. He says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are in this earth. See, Paul's not telling you what to do in order to be raised with Christ. He's telling you what you're able to do because you've already been raised with Christ, because of your union with Jesus. Because you have new life in Jesus, you are united to him. So look to him. Seek him. Set your mind on him. May you place all of your affection and your love on Jesus, the one who's seated next to God, because it's finished. Redemption has been accomplished for you, and now Jesus rules and reigns over all things in glory. Fix your thoughts on him. Focus on heavenly things, kingdom things, not earthly things. Why? Why is Paul so adamantly Seeking to communicate this, he drives home his point in verse 3, for you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Listen to me. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, this is who you are now. This is who you are now. Your old self that was focused on self, that was captive to sin, is dead and gone. It has been crucified with Christ. You are not captive to the leanings and desires of your old flesh anymore. Your old life. They do not have power to rule over you anymore because you've been raised to new life in Jesus. You are not captive to those things. It doesn't matter how much the enemy seeks to whisper in your ear that you're defined by your sin. You are no longer defined by your sin. You're defined in Christ because you're united with Jesus. You've been raised to new life in him. It's in the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is yours also, where life is found and where freedom is found. Because your true self, your true life, your new life, your resurrected life, your eternal life is hidden. It's secure. It's locked down with Christ in God, with the one who's seated on the throne, the one who is unchanging and eternal, the risen king who is sure and steady. A life that is not earned by your effort. It's not bought by your good behavior. It is given to you by grace. Radical grace. Not grace that you deserve, but grace that God in his loving kindness sought to give to you when he set his mind on you to rescue you and redeem you. The good news of the gospel, this reality of what Christ has done and the fact that when you place your faith in him, you're united to him, it transforms everything for you. It fundamentally and foundationally reorients your life. It shifts the focus of your life. It shifts your identity. You are one with Jesus. And because you are, look to him. Set your mind on him. Because this is true for you, set your gaze on Jesus. The problem for us, though, is that we often forget that this is who we are. We forget who we are. We forget whose we are, who we belong to. We forget the fact that we're united with Christ. 
or we ignore that reality for our lives, or we act like it isn't actually true. And when you forget who you are in Christ, it's easy to get distracted. When you forget who you are in Christ, it's easy to be drawn away by earthly things, things that are temporary and fleeting. Maybe for you this year, that's your finances. And you've kind of oriented your life around your finances. Maybe you really want to get out of debt this year, and that's a good thing. But everything you're doing, every decision you're making, everything you think about is kind of oriented around that reality. Or maybe you're hoping to make more money this year and you're scheming for how to do that. But everything about your life is oriented around your finances. Maybe it's your grades. Man, you're hoping this semester is better than the last one. Or you want to make the dean's list or want to be on the honor roll or want to do well in school. And everything about your life is oriented around your grades. Maybe it's relationships for you. Whether it's with your family or the guy you're dating or the girl you're dating or who you hope to be in a relationship with and everything you do is oriented around that or entertainment or social media. Maybe it's material things, the things you hope to get or the things you already have, even your own health. And in your distraction, it's easy to find your hope in those things. In your distraction, it's easy to find life in those things, the things that the world offers to you. If you just get a little bit more of this, if you just achieve a little bit more of this, then you'll be happy, then you'll be whole, then you'll be satisfied. Church, our old self doesn't have power over us anymore, but man, it sure tries to reassert itself, doesn't it? For its head to creep back up, that voice that's familiar to us to speak, to say, just find it over here, just come over here. I've been thinking about this a lot recently, just in my own life, and how, how easy it is for me to get distracted. How easy it is for me to start to focus on the things of this world, to find my comfort in what the world promises to me, that life will be better if it's comfortable and easy for me, to look for temporary comfort, to find joy in ultimately joyless things. And when we get distracted, when we forget who we are, when we start to pursue those other things as the ultimate things in our life, it's really easy to get tangled up in sin again to start to walk down the road of rebellion away from the good ways of King Jesus. We start looking for shortcuts in life to find freedom, shortcuts in life to find ourselves. But the reality is, what Paul is reminding us of this morning, what he's calling us to, is to remember, to remember, not ignore what is already most fundamentally true about you in Christ in your union with Jesus, you have been and are being made new. In Christ, you have been and are being made new. Paul says, verse 3, for you have died. That's a definitive statement for you. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. See, setting your mind on Jesus, setting your focus on things above, Instead of the things of this earth, doesn't mean you ignore the things of this earth. Paul's not calling you to have your head in the clouds and kind of ignore the things of this life. Jesus cares about the details of your life. He cares about how you honor him with your relationships and your finances and your schoolwork. He cares about the details of your life. What he's trying to say here is that's not the object of your life. It's not the goal of your life. Don't define yourself by those things. Find your definition, your identity in who you are in Christ. Do you want a new you in 2020? Find it in who you are in Jesus. And this year, I I want that for all of us. I want us to live in and rest in the reality of the new creation we already are in Christ. 
Now, I know that at the very same time that you're seeking to find your identity in Christ, you are wrestling with sin, and you're wrestling with temptation in your life. We are not complete yet. You are not complete yet. God is still at work in you. But the promise of God's word and what he says and calls us to, even in verse 4, when he says, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. He's telling, I'm going to finish the work I began in you. I'm going to finish this thing and I'm going to make you fully like Jesus. But right now, where we find ourselves is living in this tension. This tension between our old self and our new self. This tension between our flesh and glory. I don't know God's timeline for your life. I don't know when Jesus is going to come back. And so all of us, if we're in Christ, are somewhere on that spectrum, kind of balancing this tension, being pulled in different directions for this. So what are we supposed to do with that? How do we live in the midst of that? It's coming back to this truth, this reality, that the new you is rooted in your union with Jesus. So fix your eyes on him. Fix your gaze on him. Remember who you already are, that you are not captive to your old self anymore. And if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, how long for 2020 to be the time when you do? to begin that journey, not for my sake, but for the sake of your own soul. It is in Jesus and him alone that joy is found. It is in Jesus and him alone that freedom and life is found. If you haven't truly placed your faith in him, then turn to him today. See, church, when you focus your mind and your heart on your Redeemer, it pulls you back and it pulls you up. It calms the the clash and clatter and noise of this world around us. It puts things in perspective for us. That we can go to verse 4 and say, when Christ who is my life appears, then I also will appear with him in glory. That God is going to finish this work that one day I will see Jesus fully and completely and be made fully and completely like him. This is where we're headed. And this is what Paul is calling us to remind us of. Know who you are and know where you're going. It's out of that then that he shares the rest of what he does in Colossians chapter 3. I don't, again, have time to go through it this morning. Read it this week. We can put to death what is earthly in us when we fix our eyes on Jesus. When we remember who we are in Christ. We can put off the old things of our life when we remember who we are. Fix our eyes on our Savior. We can put on these new things. Compassionate hearts, humility, meekness, kindness, forgiving one another as we've been forgiven in Christ. When we fix our eyes on our risen Savior instead of ourselves. Brothers and sisters, your union with Jesus and his death and his resurrection is absolutely critical for your life now because of who you are in Jesus. It's the means of battling against sin in your life. It's the means of battling against distraction and complacency and apathy and joylessness. Because as you remember who you are in Christ, you remember all the inheritance you have in him. You remember that this place is not your home. You remember that the promises this world makes to you are not sustainable. They are temporary and fleeting and will always let you down. But your Savior who rules and reigns and is seated next to God right now will never fail you. Will never forsake you. What hope we have in Jesus. Victory is already yours in Jesus. So even as you struggle this year, when temptation comes and at times you succumb to temptation and sin, when you're dealing with apathy or a lack of joy, hear me, your relationship with Christ might feel like it's off, but it hasn't changed. What is fundamentally true for you 
it has always been true for you, is still true for you, that your life is hidden with Christ in God. It doesn't change the truth that Jesus and Jesus alone will always and is only your life. And so when that time comes, and it'll come, don't despair. Don't give up hope. Look once again to the one who lived and died and rose again for you. And one of the things I love about being a community that we don't just follow Jesus on our own is that we have a group of people, a community of brothers and sisters around us to help us do that. And so let me encourage you to help one another do that. As you see a brother or sister distracted, a brother or sister being taken captive by the things of this world, go to them in love and say, brother, sister, let's lift our gaze together. Let's look to Jesus together. That's why we gather together as a church, so we can be reminded of who we are in Christ, and then we're not doing this alone. Invite others in to your life. Seek to get to know others so that you might together point one another to Jesus. You know what the absolute best way for us to regularly do that is? Is to dive into and devour God's word. That we would sit and soak in this. That this is his living and active word given to us. That if you want to remember who you are and whose you are, eat this up. Spend time in it as much as you possibly can. Let it wash over you, interpret your life for you, give you direction, guide you to the greatness and glory of Christ. If all you can do right now is pick it up and read one line in it, let that be what you do, but keep pursuing Jesus. If all you can do right now, you can't even read, like literally you can't read yet, or maybe you just can't because whatever's going on in your life right now, mentally, physically, emotionally, you can't read God's word, have it read over you. Invite somebody over to your house or say, man, I just need to get on the phone with you. Will you just read God's word to me today? There are apps out there for you to download, to have God's word read over you, that you'd saturate your mind with the scriptures to remind you of who you are and whose you are. Go, down, go download Streetlights and listen to that. There's a new app called Dwell Out that you can hear God's word read over you. Go grab those and listen to God's word. Dive back into the Gospel of John with us in a few months and let's see Jesus together this year. It's in his word and by his word that we will be reminded of who we are and whose we are, setting our gaze, setting our thoughts, setting everything, our focus on Jesus. The new you is not made possible because of anything that you do, because of your good discipline, because of your hard work. It was made possible 2,000 years ago when Jesus died and rose again. If your faith is in him, you are already counted righteous because your life is in Christ and is Christ. It is hidden with him. May that give you peace this year. You don't have to prove yourself to anyone. Maybe some of you just need to hear that this morning to free you today to know that you don't have to prove yourself to anyone. That instead what you get to do, what you get to prove, what you get to show is the wonders of his love and his grace and his glory that you can testify to the fact that once you were blind, but now you see. Once you were lost, but now you've been found. May that be the aim of our life this year, together and individually, that we seek to exalt Christ and make much of him. The new you is rooted in your union with Jesus. May he be glorified in us and through us this year. What I want to do now, before we take communion together, is just to give you a chance to, to process and pray about this. It's not something that we normally do, but I think it's important for us at the beginning of this new year. I want to take just three to five minutes, and I want you to think about what's been said this morning. I want you to honestly think about where you're at today, what you hope to see, how you hope to see the truth of this text lived out in your life this year. 
So we're going to give you a few minutes. We're going to play some music so there's not that awkward silence over us. And take some time, write out a prayer this morning. Pray with someone around you, a friend or a person in your community group or your spouse or a family member. Maybe for some of you, you could write a renewed thought down. A renewed thought is taking a truth of Scripture and, and personalizing it for yourself and saying, this is true for me. So if I was going to write a renewed thought from this Scripture, I could write this down. I am raised with Christ, therefore I seek Him, setting my mind on things above, not on things of this earth. For I have died and my life is hidden with Christ and God. He is my life and one day I will be with Him in glory. Write that down, remember it, pray through it, put it up somewhere so that when you see that, you can speak that truth to yourself and then share it with others. They might believe it also. Maybe think of somebody that you can encourage this week with something you've learned from God's Word. Or maybe you find yourself this morning having not yet believed. That as you honestly evaluate your own life, you aren't an, a, a Christ follower. Maybe you've never claimed to be a Christ follower. Maybe for a long time you've been pretending to be a Christ follower. And in this moment right now is an opportunity for you to repent and believe. Place your faith in Jesus today. We're going to play again some music over, and I'll come back up in just a few minutes and lead us into a time of communion and worship through, through song. So go ahead and spend some time processing and praying through the truth of your union with Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon from Sojourn Fairfax. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at info at sojournfairfax.com. Go in peace.